All right. Good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman. It is always with me today is Mr. Jake Peters. We are PS. This is awesome. A PlayStation podcast. And this is episode 284. And this is a show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. But before we get on with the show, I want to invite you all to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash PS. This is awesome. And if you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PlayStation Network, you can find me at anchorless underscore 81 and Mr. Jake Peters at jakesaw zero one. As always, you can write our show at awesome at gmail.com. And most importantly, don't forget to share the show with your friends. And be sure you leave comments and rate our podcast as you see fit. And as I've been saying on the previous podcast, pause the episode right now and just go do that real quick. Give us a little share. Give us a like. Give us a nice little rating. And then come right back and we'll still be here for you. And as a reminder, this is a video podcast as well. You can watch the show if you prefer it, our YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe to that. And the new and or longtime listener, Spiel, we have a Patreon where you can support the show for $1. And it's a $1 level. It's it's called the one and only $1 club suitably. So head over to www.patreon.com slash PS. This is awesome. And you can become a $1 patron of our show for $1 a month. We'll send you one of these awesome, high-quality, super high-def, triple HD uh, vinyl die-cut stickers in the mail and give you a shout-out. And uh, we do appreciate all of our current patrons, so thank you very much, and thanks for coming back today. And with that out of the way, Jake, how are you doing? Um, pretty good. I just got back from golf, which was kind of weird so this kind of mentioned on the show before there's this golf course that's right next to my house um that you can just go walk and uh i just played nine holes really quick shot a 39 god which was pretty fucking good for me i don't usually shoot that well um which so i had basically i I had plus three, and it was all on two holes. I had a double and a single bogey. On nine. So I had, yeah. yeah, So I basically had seven pars, a double bogey, and a single bogey. That's just crazy. Fucking amazing for me. I never play that. Did you cut any corners at all? Any mulligans? Any nothing? Nope. Nope. I didn't. I didn't take any drops. I. So okay. So there was one Uh one thing that I did. Yeah. I. So I hit the ball. And it trickled like a foot into this brush that's like waist deep. Right. So I pulled it out into the grass so that I could hit it. Because sure. you can't fucking hit it out of waist deep grass. And it's not really a well maintained course anyway, so Right. So that's the that's the um the only thing that I did. Which I consider to be a reasonable cheat, if you will. Mm. Um The uh the one thing though is that so the last time I was there, there was this lady who works there, and I had heard all over town that it's free to walk this course. So I talked to her. I was like, hey, you know, I heard it's free. You know, what's going on? Like, what's the deal? She's like, yeah, it's free to walk. If you want, you can you can rent a cart, but it's free to walk. Just come whenever you want, and just you can walk nine holes. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. So today I go down there. I walk nine holes. I get in my car, and as I'm leaving, I see on the sign, nine holes, $7. What? So I'm like, so now I'm like, did I just fucking steal nine holes of golf? So, like, I have to call them tomorrow and be like, hey. Yeah, I just played nine holes. Are you guys charge? Yeah. Like, are, I'm not even going to say it. I'm like, are you guys charging for golf now? Because, like, I need to fucking know. Like, $7 I don't is walk still out nothing, on the but yeah. 
it's it's still nothing. Yeah, you're right, but it's like I don't want to steal fucking golf if it's. <laughs> but I'm kind of irritated at the same time that the fucking lady told me that I could literally just year round come golf whenever the fuck I want, and now they're charging money for it. So it's like make up your fucking. Dude, you know what happened? It. You know what happened? Some opportunistic person was like some locals like I'm gonna put a sign up says seven dollars put your money here and no one will be the wiser and then every fucking day I'm gonna check the bucket and take the money home. <laughs> well, there's no bucket. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you have to go inside. But interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So, but other than that, just got back from That's like vacation in shit. Florida. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, yeah, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, we were talking golf briefly. I just want to brag a little bit. Uh, I'm in this golf league, and the owner of the course that we play on every Monday he goes by Coach, and uh, I, you know, I, it's I don't mean to talk disparagingly about my father's golf game, but he is not good. Like he used to be good. I don't know what's gotten into it. Like he he's duffing it all the time. Like he his approach shots are always way too hard. He is better at putting than me though. So so he saves us on the putt, but everything else his drives are almost always worthless. So when we're doing a two man scramble, it's really just my ball. <laughs> so like <laughs> it's really difficult to like be competitive when everyone else in the league is like really decent or at least half okay, right? So I've been encouraging my dad to get out to the to, to the driving range. And we don't do it to compete. I could care less, but I don't like holding people up, you know, and when he's duffing them all the time and they're just like, all right, then we got to go get his ball. And then, you know, we're, we're always pit stopping and it's just like, it's kind of frustrating for me. I love him to death. I wouldn't ever talk bad about him, but we're in this situation now where he's not great. I'm not great. Like I'm, I'm like a good game, a good round of nine for me is like, like I'd be like really happy with myself is like a 42 right now. You know what I mean? Like I'm usually yeah. shooting around 44, 45, maybe a little, just not too much higher than that, but I'm doing all right and I'm getting better. And I've had this crazy slice. I've had it forever. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing different. I'm using the same club, the same stance. I think it's the same swing. Maybe I've got a little more follow through on my swing. I feel like I'm like going more towards the hole when I'm coming around. But like, so we're playing the owner of the course who's like in his 80s and he's playing the, 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 the gold tees, you know. But dude, he is so good. Like, he is so good. Like, his drives are amazing. And like, usually when men get old, um, their golf swing just goes to shit. Like they, there's no form. There's nothing. They just like if they make contact, they're happy, and it's just usually like a like a little pop shot, right? Like this dude is good, and he's like pushing ninety, and he's a great putter. His chip shots are great. Every time we've ever played his, him and this other guy, the the owner's got a huge cigar in his mouth hanging out. Like you would expect, like a rich old guy that owns a, a golf course right he doesn't even drive if his partner has a great drive he's like oh, I don't. and his voice is always messed up he sounds like a mob boss he's like oh, i don't even drive and, you know he gets a good head and we just go we go and i'm like all right man so i was crushing the fuck out of my drives straight as an arrow i don't know what i did last last monday every drive was like 280. Like, I don't know what I was doing, and it was soggy out. So there was, it was like hitting and barely going anywhere. We finished up, and like, we suck still. Like, I could get us like 100 yards out on a par four on some holes, and we would still get like a six 
on a scramble because we were three putting maybe two putting but like the approach shots weren't always great and then he was duffing stuff and i wasn't i was getting close enough but not close enough to lock in par for us you know nothing guaranteed but my drives were amazing the whole time anyways they kicked our asses we have high handy they use handicaps in this league so our handicaps high so we're like ranked 15 out of like 30 teams and we shouldn't be everyone hates us because when they play us they have to like get eagles to beat us and if I'm having an okay day, then they're like, what the fuck's going on? Did you guys, like, scam the handicap? You know, everyone's like, I'm like, no, dude. Like, it's him. It's him over here. And, you know, when we have bad days, when I have a bad day, there's nothing worth saving here. Like, it's just I'm shitty and he's just always shitty. So, like, if I'm having a good day, then the handicap really works to our advantage. But anyways, we finish up and um, coach comes up to me and he pulls me aside and he goes, you hit a big ball. <laughs> I'm like, hey, thanks, man. I said, I don't know what I did. And he goes, he goes, you hit a big ball. <laughs> and like he walked away into the sunset. And I was like, what higher praise than like some 88-year-old <laughs> owner of a golf course that his whole life has been golf, apparently. And he's solid. He was impressed by my drive. So I've got my drive figured out. But, dude, ah. I got to get the rest of my game figured out, man. Putting th- those greens at Whispering Pines are really, really difficult. I don't know if you remember them, dude. Every putt is a is a it's gonna break like I don't know five feet. Like it's crazy. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm excited to see what happens tomorrow. Knocking on wood. Hopefully, my drive is still there. I don't know what the hell I did. But I'm just it's got to get in the right mind mindset. Now I'm going to go expecting to be able to hit him like that, and you know damn well it ain't going to happen. And I'm just going to be it's going to ruin my whole game. I'm just going to be really pissed off about not being able to do that. Who knows? Maybe my father will come out swinging a big ball. You never know. So, anyways, it is what it is. Yeah, it's tough. It's my my grandpa went through the same kind of thing. I mean, he can't golf anymore, but uh, when I was growing up. My grandpa went through the same thing. He golfed his whole life yeah. and he always played pretty well. And it's just like I think when you get older, you tighten up and you don't have as much range of motion. And it throws off your swing because you can't swing the way you used mm-hmm. to. And all. And then you have to relearn how to swing with your new form. And and it's, it's tough. And I'm sure your dad probably – like that guy, that owner, he plays every day. Yeah, dude. Whereas like your, you know, your dad plays once a week for – you know, what's it? A little bit for nine right? holes and, once a week, and he's just he's just hitting it because you guys are playing a scramble. Right. Like, he's just hitting it on the line, you know. Yeah. So, so like, I get it, but he also that's thinks cool, it's his vision, which could be the case. Like death perception when it you're swinging be. a ball, dude, you could really be topping, getting too low on it. Like if your vision is kind of jacked, I told him. I said you need to go see an eye doctor. He keeps saying he thinks it could be his vision. So. Hmm. I don't know. I've heard all, I've heard every single excuse on the golf course from everybody. You know what I mean? Ah, it's a damn club. I need to get a new club. This one's always, you know, I used Johnny's club and it was, I had no problems. It's my club. And then, you know, you hear stuff like all kinds of stuff, you know, oh, I had it teed a little too low or, you know, every single excuse in the golf, on the golf course of why the ball didn't do what you wanted it to do. I've heard it all <laughs> at this point. I've said half of them. But, yeah, I mean, he keeps saying he's he's not sure he's seeing the ball right when he's lining up to hit it. And I'm like, well, maybe you do need to go to a vision guy. So, I don't know. There's so many things. There's, there's head space in golf. There's form, like you're saying. There's correct posture. There's correct swinging. There's 
Dude, it takes every ounce of everything working correctly to hit that ball right. And it's crazy. Um, it is. It's just It's just practice and repetitiveness is how you get good at it. So I don't play nearly enough. I, w- I want to go out more than I do. I, I really don't go out outside of the league either. But um, when I'm hitting well, I really enjoy it. So anyways, man, I'm glad you're back from vacation. I'm glad that you're putting some golf in. And uh, we'll have to find out if you're a criminal here soon. You have to follow up on Yeah, it. we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jake, we do this thing on the show where we talk about games that we're playing. And, uh, you know, I'd like to do that briefly. And I sent you a message when you were on vacation. And everybody knows, because I said last week, um, that I'm playing Aliens Dark Descent. And I came into this game real hot on it. Real hot on it. And uh, although... I, my my tone has not changed because I love the moment to moment gameplay and I love what the, what it's doing. I will say this: two things. I know the game's supposed to be difficult. I get it, hundred percent get that. And I know it's kind of like one of those XCOM games, but it's real time strategy, I guess. Um, and some of those games will have like an overall countdown timer. And when it exhausts, uh, human race is gone. Um, as I found out in Aliens Dark Descent, there is nuclear bombardment that happens on the planet that you're currently stuck on. If you do not finish the game within the time limit they give you. I guess it's not not transparent, but like for instance, and this is minor spoils spoiler, is you're running a mission and the mission that you start running. So for the first four missions, there's no timer, none. And then you you're doing this mission where you're trying to recover some sort of power source because you're in a downed ship. And the ship is going to be attacked. The planet you're on is going to be attacked and nuked because it's full of aliens. You need to get the ship off of the planet, and that's how you beat the game. I'm on a mission that essentially is to get the power thing from this colony, retrieve it, and bring it back to my ship. And that's going to restore – they make it seem like this is what you need to take off. And it says you've got, for me, I believe it was like 40 days till planet bombardment, nuclear bombardment or whatever. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm way ahead of schedule. I wonder why they're just now showing me the timer. But I'm like, I'm on a mission. It's going to get me the fuck off the planet right now. So every step you take, like every extra day you spend not running a mission counts as a day. In that moment, I believe I had like three or four Marines that needed patched up in the med bay. And you only have so many physicians. So when you, uh, if I have like each physician point per day gets your Marines one day closer to being able to be deployed. And depending on how fucked up they got on the previous mission, they could be out of it. They could be out of the fight for 10 days, right? They could be out for 10 days. And if it's a really good Marine, and there's already there's already a penalty for sticking around on base that long is that the alien infestation of the planet goes up the longer you wait. So the game intrinsically just gets more difficult the more you fuck around on base. So there's incentive to keep moving. 
But I'm like, I've got 40 days. So I run a few more missions and I'm taking care of my Marines. I'm making sure they want to get out and I'm running like two or three days for these missions. Like I'll send my team in. Like I told you in the last podcast, I had, I had a plan. I'd send in a group. We get most of the shit done. And then, uh, you know, after we get most of the shit done, I'll send them back to the APC. We evac. I start healing them and I send in my backup group. And then we finish out the mission. Well, that takes two fucking days and then three days to recover, maybe longer, depending on how messed up the guys are. So this this timer comes on around four, mission four. I don't know, but I think there's 13 missions. And they give you 40 days to do whatever that math is, right? Nine more missions. And if you're playing it kind of safe at all, that clock's going to fucking expire and you're not going to be able to fucking beat the game. So I had 20 plus hours in this game. I'm on mission seven in this countdown. Like, so when I got the, got the power source thing, the countdown timer fucking stays. And like, well, maybe if I just run one more mission, that'll reset it. Right. And there are things that happen in between missions. It's, it's the random number generation. You have a random scenario that'll come up. They're going to be like, Oh, we've uncovered some new fucking tech. Um, you can uh, choose to have all your Marines exhausted, but add four more days to your timer or not do anything and leave the timer where it's at. And it's like, so then once in a while that'll pop up and you can tack on a few more days to this countdown timer. But it, to me, it's completely random in between missions. So... I'm like, you know what? I'm not re-fucking playing this game. It is a stressful game. It's a hard game. I'm enjoying the game-to-game beats. It's fun. The cutscenes are great. The story's fantastic. I am powering through, and last I checked, well, I know where I'm at now, but as of this morning, I had like four days left. And I'm like, this means I have to successfully run the next three or four missions essentially in one take. And, and when you return from a mission, it, it progresses you to the next day in hope that I get a random thing that adds like a couple more days on this timer and then maybe I can fucking beat the game. So running through it, I had some really good Marines die. I had – so I push forward. Either I'm at the final mission right now with one day remaining and I'm using four of Marines. I can deploy five if they're all healed. I can't wait another day because I tried it and you don't even get a fucking cutscene of a nuclear bombardment. It just goes, the the planet bombardment timer is up. Do you want to reload from a saves point or go back to the main menu? That's literally the fucking options. And it's like, I have like 25 fucking hours in this game and you're just going to fucking cut me off right now in the middle of the story and just say that the planet got bombed and not even give me a fucking cutscene? Like, it's a bunch of bullshit, man. It's it's some chicken shit shit, dude. And I get that the game's supposed to be tough, but what the fuck is that? Like, you know, like I feel like it's I love this game, but I'm so angry at it. So I'm on the so and it is buggy, so there are some bugs. And there's a thing when you're running missions that the alien hive will release an onslaught. And it's if you've been too loud, if you've killed too many aliens on the on the section of the planet that you're in. They literally run like 20-some aliens at your crew. You have like 
I don't know, 20 seconds to prepare for it, which means you set down sentry guns, you get some people doing some line, like not line of sight, but they, they you, yeah, maybe it is like a line of sight suppressing fire shit. And if they, you hit the Anderson suppressing fire when they're coming at you, they all slow down and then your turrets can just fucking mow them up. But that's if you have turrets and turrets are hard to come by. So while this is going on, you can't do any of the main mission activities. You have to survive the onslaught. So this is where I am today. One day left towards the end of what I think might be the final mission and an alien onslaught hits. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking do this. And I did. I regulated on them. In fact, I called the APC to the area and it has a big cannon. It's just like blasting these fuckers. I'm like, I'm going to fucking do this with four Marines instead of five. I'm going to fucking get through this. I got to get through this set of doors. So alien onslaught is over. But the game doesn't think that it's over. They quit attacking. I get the message that the onslaught is over. But in the upright corner, it still says alien onslaught incoming. It never fucking comes. So now I can't get through the double doors to beat the mission. And I'm in this save point that like I'm kind of fucked. So and it's at the very end of the fucking game, I think. And I need to know if this is the last mission. And everywhere I've gone online, I can't figure out. And I check the trophies. And I think I think because what they've done in the past on different missions is like you'll beat a mission and then it will segue into a part that doesn't take a day. It's just like back on the ship and then you're like the main character and then you can beat this mission where like you're trying to do something. And if that's how this game wraps up, I can beat it from where I'm at with one day remaining. If there is in fact one more mission after this mission, I've got no chance in hell in beating this game unless I restart from the top. So I can't even figure this out because it requires the game to not be broken for me to get through this doorway. And I don't know if they're going to patch this shit, but there's apparently an alien onslaught and there's not one. And it's keeping me because when I go to interact with the elevator to get down to the next basement floor, it just says you can't do this during an onslaught. And I'm like, there's no fucking onslaught. So maybe I need to re-trigger another onslaught, but I don't know if you can if it thinks there is one. So – I could back it up a little bit further, but I'm just fucking lucky to be where I'm at with four Marines, and I don't want to fucking go through the bullshit again. This is my update on Alien Dark Descent. It is so close to perfect. Get rid of the fucking world timer or give me the option to toggle it, right? Um, they do give you settings that on – you know when you start your first game, you don't realize what this is because it doesn't tell you ever. But um, you can you can actually – Change. You can do custom settings, and then instead of having like forty days, you can give yourself like sixty-five days, which is more than enough. I would think. I would think, especially if you make the game easy, could probably run right through it and get all the trophies. But there's a trophy for beating the game on normal difficulty that I want so badly, and I don't want to dump all this time back into it. So the the countdown timer is fucked, and then there should not be a bug that prevents you from advancing the mission. And there is apparently on whatever mission I'm on towards the very end. So, dude, that's where I'm at. I, I still, if you like these kinds of games, I st- even with how pissed off I am about it, it is very fun. Yeah, it's a little buggy. It's clearly made for like PC. Um, it's one of those games that like be way easier on a PC, I think. And it's probably how they ported it to console. It's fucked up. But I think the PC version is pretty good from what I understand. But... Dude, that's where I'm at. That's all I have to say. I'm just like agitated over this 
because I, I chose to push forward and it robbed me maybe now of another five hours because now I'm on this other fucking mission and all odds fighting the timer and I'm at where I think I need to be and I can't progress it without maybe backing up and restarting this fucking mission. And it's not an easy mission, dude. And they take a while. So I don't know. I'm fucking I'm done rant. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand up and plug my mouse in because it's dying and I need it. So go ahead, Jake. What are you playing? Uh, I mean, I'm just playing Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I took the Switch on vacation with me because it's a good, uh, it's a good traveling piece. And um, so basically I was playing that at the, at the house when we were relaxing. And um, a little bit. I played it a little bit. I'm not really a big. I'm not really that into like playing games and shit on the plane and stuff. I'd rather just like listen to something and close my eyes and like try to sleep a little bit. Yeah. Um. So I played it a little bit in the airport when we were waiting for the plane. But yeah, mostly just playing through that. Um. It's fine. I'm doing. I I do think it's a good game. I am impressed by it. My my. Tolerance for it ebbs and flows a little bit. I do think that it's a. I do still think it's a little bit overrated. It's got some very, uh, very antiquated gameplay mechanics in it. It reminds me of like almost playing an N sixty four game in a lot of ways, but it is really still really kind of kind of neat. So I don't really have a lot to say about it. We don't have to linger. I just I'm still kind of playing that and. Uh, I'll probably jump back into Diablo because I do want to finish the campaign on that. And then, um, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about Final Fantasy 16, but we'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, yeah, I don't know. I've I've never been on a commercial plane, and it scares the shit out of me, the thought of it. I understand that everyone's not oh, safer than fucking driving and shit. Yeah, but your odds of surviving if there is a problem so so much less. I don't know. I know everybody does it all the time, man. It's just this weird. And my mom's afraid of flying, so as kids, we drove everywhere on our vacation. So I never got that exposure that I probably should have had as a as a youth. Have you ever flown on a plane? Oh man, my dad says Dude. says I did uh, when I was a kid. He, I think he had me up in like a crop duster once, which is probably immensely more scary. I remember oh, way more scary. Dude, I remember being in a helicopter, looking out like the sliding door or something. And he's like, no, dude, that was a crop duster. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, they, we were looking out the, the thing. And I was like, dude, I don't remember at all. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think, like, I understand. <laughs> I do understand why people are afraid of flying. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, it's safer than driving. <laughs> so so there, there is that part of it. The only thing about flying is that, like, if something goes wrong, you can't jump out of a plane. You can kind of jump out of a car if you really need it yeah, to. Yeah, if it catches on fire, so, like, you can always hit the brakes and try to evac, right? I guess yeah, I think I don't know. people – I just – I try – I think people think about it too much. It's really – like, you got to just not think about it. Like, what scares people a lot, I think, is the takeoff. And also turbulence. Mm. And and I think another big part of it too is just your fuck they cram you in those planes mm. like fucking sardines. Like it's insane how small the seats are. Like I feel bad for um people that are overweight on planes because dude, it's 
I am a small person. Mm-hmm. I, I'm five seven, and I'm pretty athletically built, and I feel cramped sitting on an in an airplane seat with the people next to me. So, like, you can imagine somebody who's like somebody your size would probably feel about the same as me because I doubt you're that much wider than I am. You're just taller. Yeah. But like, if you if you were overweight at all. You know, you have to worry about like, are you are you encroaching on someone else's seat? Like, that's probably the worst part. But it's probably like the least scary. I think that there's just a lot of emotions that get into plane planes when people are crammed, and a lot of times flights are late, so people's schedules are all fucked up. Did my bag get there? Was I able to get my bag in fucking the overhead bin? You just got a good strategy, and uh, don't ever plan anything else the day that you're flying. We got lucky yesterday. That our plane was not delayed because we, I guess, forgot that we had a show that day. <laughs> but uh, it all worked out. So Yeah, I just saw you yesterday in person. Yeah, we just played a gig. Um, that was fun. That was a cool spot, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, it's not – I think at this point my only exposure to airplanes has been all of the negative, right? Like in the movies, like Final Destination, like the movies like Garden State – uh, just and then I, I have an overactive imagination, and I tend to gravitate towards shitty things. And I just imagine what the panic would be like on an airplane going down, and just like that is not how I want to go. Like, it would be the most terrifying thing. I think it'd be fucking tragic as shit. Um, I can't imagine. So to risk. To risk that, even though it's not much of a risk, there's still like a fraction of a percent of that that, that could happen. And like it's just like so. You would rather you would rather like you have probably a twenty times more likely chance of being killed by a drunk driver yeah. driving down the road than you do dying in a plane crash. But I can't like take like, a because plane to work. a plane crash would be crazy. Yeah, you you you. <laughs> it scares you. I, I don't know. I I get it. It's just one of those things yeah. where like, yeah, I don't know. I get it. Yeah, no, I, think I don't everybody know. Should, there's you should force themselves to do it at least once yeah. just to kind of you know have that exposure because there really is like once you realize that like the whole some parts of it that are shitty but like once you realize that like oh like you want to go to florida for a vacation for example like we did like i literally saved four vacation days by flying down yeah if we drove and we didn't like literally fucking go straight through without stopping or sleeping or anything we would have lost four, basically, uh, probably more like three days of vacation yeah. to driving. So it's uh, it's definitely worth it, but I understand if people don't want to do it. it. It's it's nothing that I ever want to fault anyone. Or no, like, yeah, I'm not judging anyone for, for taking an airplane. I just think you're all fucking crazy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dude, I yeah. think like if I knew how to fly a plane, like I'd be less like freaked out by it. Like I'm a control person. Like, I, I, same reason I don't really enjoy roller coasters and stuff. I don't like relinquishing control of my fate. Like I don't mind it when it's just like, oh, you're at work. You have to do what someone says. Like I don't give a shit. Yeah, sure, fine. But like when my safety is at play and I have to trust somebody else with my safety, 
then I, I'm not sure that I like that. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to be in charge of my own safety, and uh, giving that up is scary to me. That's all. Uh, yeah, I feel you with the roller coasters thing. I don't have the problem with airplanes because I've been flying on them since I was like two years old. Probably, but like yeah. roller coasters, until recently, I've been I've been terrified to even get on them. Like I fucking hated them, and it's it's a lot of it has to do with the uh, that like I fucking hate that like slow climb to the top oh, of the man. whole thing. Looking like, over the it edge, dry, it makes me want to. It literally makes me want to kill myself. Because I'm so anxious. And, like, once it's moving, I'm fine. But it's that, like, anxiety of getting to the top of the hill, seeing that you're, like, a thousand feet off of the ground, and then not knowing when you're going to drop. like, And not being able to get it off. Like, you're stuck. And uh, the thing that kind of broke me of that a little bit was there's this ride at Universal that we did, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago. Yeah. I don't remember. No, it was longer than that. It was maybe almost ten years ago because we were with my – it was before Sarah and I got married. And uh, it's the the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk roller coaster. And the way that it works is that immediately when the roller coaster starts, you go up the big hill. But the whole hill going up is inside of a tunnel. Oh, so yeah. You can't that'd be see great. going out of it. So you're like going up. You can't see. You can't see. You can't see. And then suddenly it accelerates and shoots you out of the fucking tunnel. And at the top – Instead of just going straight down, it does this kind of curve oh, and then kind no of way. rolls and goes down. Mm. So like it – it like – I don't know. Like the first time I wrote it, I was like – we're going up the hills. I can't get off. I can't get off. I can't get off. And then it like surprises you by like shooting you out. And then as soon as you roll and you're down, it's like, oh, I'm like – I'm into it now. So – but I – dude, I'm totally with you. I'm still fucking scared of roller coasters, but I enjoy them a lot more than I used to just because, yeah. you know, I, I kind of just pretend like I'm controlling it. Like we did this this past time, <laughs> this past, uh, like when we were just in Florida, we went back to Universal to do the, there's all that Harry Potter stuff there. Yeah. And Sarah's super into Harry Potter, so I took her there as kind of like a birthday present. And they had this new ride called Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure or something. Mm. And it's like, it's like a motorcycle on a sidecar. But it's a roller coaster, and one of you sits on the motorcycle, and one of you sits on the sidecar. And Sarah's like, "Well, what do you want to do?" I was like, "Give me the fucking motorcycle, because I want to feel like I'm like controlling it." You know what I mean? And it does help. Like it helps so much yeah. to just be like, you see the car, and you're like, "Okay, I'm riding the fucking motorcycle," yeah. and you just put yourself in that brain space. And even though you really can't do anything about it, it like, I don't know. This is not even remotely video game. Yeah, right? dude, we're both horses that need blinders. That's just it. Like I just. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, same with those – and then we'll get on to the list of feedback here in a minute. But it's like same with those people that can like climb stairs that you can like see through the stairs. But like you're way, way super high even though you have railings and shit. Like fuck. Oh, yeah. No, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Like like especially when like they have those skyscrapers where they oh. have like the knockouts where it's like glass. So you can stand out over like open air yeah. or whatever. I got yeah. It's it's a uh, it's spooky shit. Yeah, I don't sure. like it. I just don't like it. All right. Anyways, um, every show we talk about listener feedback from the previous episodes, and uh, we're gonna talk real quick. Um, we got some feedback this episode, so thank you for writing in. And Big Box writes in, and he says, "Hey, I appreciate response to the PSTIA origin story question last week or this week. I'm gonna offer some unsolicited feedback." 
All right, let's hear it. He goes, I found you guys because I started searching PlayStation podcast and set search results to last week on YouTube. The reason why I did that is because I started noticing the bigger podcasts I've been listening to had a bad mixture of shill plus fanboy vibe to them. Hosts had a veneer of fakeness to them. Every big AAA exclusive was so good. And every news story was spun in a predictable direction. Um, example, the a- ABK deal. Uh, that kind of bored me. What, what does that mean? Was ABK? Activision Blizzard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never heard it called that. Um, and it says, uh, you two passed the authenticity test. Fred, you're a likable host who plays weird shit uh, like Ghosts and Goblins on his PS5 for some reason. Jake has an obvious personality flaw for not liking roguelites, yet he enjoys the IRL roguelite called hockey. Uh, It's your blemishes that make you relatable. (laughs) My dumb peanut gallery advice. You guys are a lunch table in a cafeteria. All the tables represent different podcasts. These... Uh, there's people man- meandering around listening to different conversations. You got to find, quote unquote, your people to sit down and join your table. My smart, wise advice don't listen to free advice. <laughs> By the way, my lawyer will be serving you papers next week for stealing my likeness and putting the big box name at risk in dark descent. <laughs> Irreparable harm. Ah, uh, dude, I love it when you write in. Thank you so much for that. Um, if we could find our people, if I knew how to find them, I would. I don't know how to find them. You know what I mean? But I'm okay feeling like the underdog or like the weird group. You know what I mean? Like we're the table in the lunchroom that like, you know, um, we're not popular. We're not cool. Uh, We're just kind of fucking nerds, man. And yeah, I'll play Ghost of Goblins on PS5 for sure. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, we play some weird shit, man. We don't, I don't know. We do, if I'm being completely transparent, there's definitely some fanboy shit here as far as Naughty Dog. Jake and I love Naughty Dog. Um, you know, we've been so I've been a Sony person for a long time. Clearly, Jake has uh, an Xbox and uh, a PS, you know, PlayStation Five and shit, and he, and he does some gaming stuff on his PC once in a while. If I had a PC, I'd probably be talking about some PC games here and there. I just don't have one of a Mac. But yeah, man, I appreciate the you know the the free advice. I I, I don't know. I mean, your advice is good. I just don't know how to execute that. You know, I'm not sure how we find our people except for just keep doing it the way we do it. You know, we're not going to be buying advertising space on other people's podcasts and stuff. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how to do it, you know. So we're just going to keep doing what we do and hopefully the listeners show up and uh, stick around a little long, a little longer. And uh, I appreciate it, Big Box. Thank you so much for writing in. Jake, you have anything to say about that? Um, <laughs> He's not going to let attacking me about fucking roguelikes. <laughs> He's not going to let it go. I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh it's awesome. Like I it's cool to hear that somebody was able to find us through YouTube cuz yeah. we never really think about that at all. I mean, we put our shit on YouTube now. We didn't always do that. Um and it seems like it's That's the way. Uh it's something that that people are seeing and we're getting a lot of traction there and with the shorts and stuff, I think that helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna do a podcast where I'm pretending to be something that I'm not, yeah. or pretending to be interested in something that I'm not. So, I mean, we've already mentioned on the podcast before, last week or the week before, that we're not gonna even cover all the news because I just I can't pretend to be excited about news points that are 
fucking boring to me. Yeah. I mean, they're like, I put together the news this week and there were probably half a dozen news points that I just didn't even put in because I was like, this is the bo- most boring fucking shit on the planet. Yeah. Jake prepped the like, news I, like, I, show. So it's on him. Like, I don't, it. you know, it's a lot of stuff that's like, uh, you know, like, uh, um, you know, Assassin's Creed developer talks about how, uh, the new, fucking guy walks around and it's like okay well I mean everybody's played at least one Assassin's Creed game usually so like I don't know that we really need to have a whole news topic about it or it's something about like oh did you know that uh, FIFA Football Club's next game is going to come out in August it's like yes every year it fucking comes out in August I don't know that it needs to be a news point Mm. or whatever I don't know if it's August I'm just making shit up but like anyway so appreciate the feedback big box um, don't know how I feel about this campaign you're on against me with the fucking roguelike shit. Uh, but uh, oh, that's good. I, and, I it's rich. Now he's, like now he's attacking my favorite sport. I, I think. Know. I think because Big Box apparently likes roguelites, he probably likes hockey because he's calling it a roguelite. You know what I mean? I just think that he's drawn a comparison. He he must be the biggest hockey fan if he's calling it fucked. Well, we know he's not Yami or not Yager. He said he wasn't. He's not Yami or Yager. He speaks too. His English is too good. Uh, (laughs) But uh, yeah, maybe what I'll do is I'll only play roguelikes from now on, and then you'll see how miserable I am on the fucking podcast. Please don't make him do that. (laughs) That'd be bad. Anyway, yeah. Moving on. Uh, one Black Talon wrote in, and this is for you, Jake. He says, can Jake speak on how Diablo 4 is when there are other players in the game? Has he had to team up with any of them to take down a boss? Thanks. And I said, yeah, we can talk about that. I don't know if you've done this or how this works. And I don't have Diablo, so I thought I'd let you talk on this for a second. So in my experience, it is a lot like Destiny, if you've played Destiny. So it's a shared world. So other people are running around and a lot of times there are these like randoming like public events that happen and shit where like, oh, you know, you'll walk into an area and there's like a there's like a, you know, villager that's like stuck underneath the cart and you got to protect them from all these enemies that are attacking or whatever. And then like all of the players that are in the area can choose to participate or not. It's not mandatory. Um, so. All of my interactions with other players have been things like that, where it's like public event type stuff, random encounter type things. Occasionally, like, I'll be running into an area and another guy will be there and I'll be fighting off some guys and he might come in and, like, help me kill the rest of them. He or she might come in and help me kill the rest of them. And then we just kind of run off on our separate directions. Like, not, none of it is – none of it is organized. Like, I uh, – I'm saying as far as my experience, like I'm not I'm not reaching out to any of these players. I'm sure I have the option to if I want to. I can look at, you know, the players that are in my server and reach out to them if I want or whatever. But that's just not, you know, that's not the way I play games. So I play it like the way that I play Destiny. You know, I acknowledge the other players in the world. Um, I'll participate in public events with them, uh, like like these random encounter things that happen. Uh, I will maybe help them out if I'm running around and they're like taking on a, you know, a a group of enemies or something like that. Um, but, uh, as far as like actively teaming up with other people, I've, I've not done that. I haven't, 
but I'm also not in the end game yet. It's possible that once you get to the end game, it's necessary. Are there like raids where I'm like at in right Destiny? now? I don't know that there are raids, but there are dungeons. Like Destiny has these like very complicated, excuse me, very complicated, very, um, very hand like they're almost handcrafted raids that are very very skill like skill and coordination based. I don't know that De- Diablo has anything like that. But you can do like dungeons together and that kind of stuff. So I don't know. But yeah, I, I'm not um, – I'm thinking that there's probably a lot more of that going on in the end game, but I'm not there yet. So I can't really speak fully on it. But for now, it's mostly mostly like random coordination type stuff, whether it be a public encounter event or you know just running across the guy that needs a little help or something. But like I said, there's no chatting going on. You know, We just literally – kind of do whatever together and then we just run off our in our own directions because mm. we each got our own thing going on so that's sort of where i'm at with it but yeah that that's really all the experience i have i guess all right well thanks for answering that for one black talent and uh yeah dude um let's get on with the news um first news point of the show is uh kind of I mean, do, you want, do you want me to just do it yeah why don't you do it and i'll keep track of all the times okay since I put it together, it might be a little bit easier yes, for me please. to just sort of run the news. Do it. So we haven't really talked about Beyond Good and Evil 2 a lot on this podcast because it was announced like literally 10,000 years ago and it's never even been remotely close to finish. Elijah it's Wood like was the longest. Was he? When it got announced, he was like head of the company that was like, like doing the whole community art thing. Oh, that's right. There was some weird shit going on. Well, are you sure it was Elijah? Because his brother is in video games. I'm not sure, but that's it, what he I might remember. have been involved. I, I don't know. It, it, it's really weird. So anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, I threw you Beyond off your Good fucking talk. Two, no, do it. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. So the creative director of, of Beyond Good and Evil Two, his name is Emil Morel. Uh, apparently, he passed away recently at the age of forty, which is fucking depressing. Because, I mean, Fred, you're north of 40. Yeah. I'm coming up on 40 here in a few years. Yeah, I'm 42. So it's uh, it's pretty wild to think about. And I didn't see any reports. I didn't go digging on, like, what happened to him and all this stuff. But when you see somebody dying this young, it really kind of makes you contemplate morality a little bit. Or mortality, I guess, a little bit, not morality. Morality. Um, I mean, maybe morality, depending on the circumstances of the death or whatever. But uh, but this developer, I guess, a Ubisoft guy also worked on Rayman Legends during his 14-year tenure Mm. at Ubisoft. So, you know, he worked on some games. People really liked Rayman Legends. And I know people really liked the first Beyond Good and Evil. That's why they're coming out with a second one. And this guy was apparently – they've argued for years about how this game is going to look and how it's going to play. It took forever for it to even – I don't even – I mean it might still be in pre-production for all I know. But this guy was being tasked as the creative director and he unfortunately passed away at the young age of 40. So it's kind of depressing and uh, wish the best to his family and hopefully – and the team involved and everybody else who knew him. um, That sucks. And I hope that – Whoever kind of takes up his mantle is able to leave a little bit of his um, flavor in the game should it ever come out. 
I don't know if you have any opinions on that, but I just wonder uh, if if maybe this dude and I don't mean to inject any speculation, but my brain is thinking from the aspect of being a gaming podcast and the trouble this game has found trying to get started up or whatever. If maybe if this guy was like head of the whole thing, maybe he was terminally ill or something and just wasn't able to like direct this thing the way that needed directed. You know, I'm just saying I, I don't know. I'm just speculating. But I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say like, oh, maybe some fucking disgruntled be- oh, Beyond shit. Good and Evil fan killed him or something. Yeah, no, like, no. I mean, like, but, you know, you can yeah, no, that serious. It could definitely play a role and stuff. Yeah, could definitely play a role. So maybe they were just yeah, trying not to be. I, I don't. know. I'm gonna quit speculating. But it, it, this this whole game seems to be just kind of cursed, man. Like I, the original was good. I played it on PC when I was a kid. I think it was PC. I don't know where the where the hell I played. I remember playing it and liking it, but I don't think looking back on it with what we have now in games that that game did anything particularly. Maybe it was special in its time, but I don't think that like it it you don't put out part two and blow people's minds with it. You know what I mean? It was a story driven sure. game. I'm th- I think in its time, in its heyday, Beyond Good and Evil One was was pretty impressive, and it had really good voice acting, and it was a night, it was a good game. But um, I don't know, you know, if they, sh- I don't even know, man. I we'll see, we'll see what they're doing here. The community thing was really weird when it got announced. They're like, oh yeah, you can put your art in this, you know, you can submit it. Here's here are the fucking things we're looking for submit it and then our creative manager will decide if what you made was good enough or if it fits the it was really weird they were like open con they're they're like giving like open contract license to anybody any creator to go through this hub to try to get their art and stuff in this game i thought it was so weird Hmm. um i don't know i don't know apparently it didn't work out i mean i don't know yeah, it's it's weird. I, I it, it almost feels like this thing should just be canned. Yeah, it's like because it's been in perpetual development forever, and I don't know. I mean, it's been twenty years since the first game came out. Yeah, so that's that's pretty pretty insane. Yeah, but anyway, hope the best. Feel bad for you know what's going on over there, but hopefully they're able to kind of. Pick things up and and move along. For sure. Um, News point number two, Naraka Blade Point. Fred, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this game. I've never heard of it. But it's a battle royale game, but all the players are fucking like samurai, and it's all sword fighting and shit. Like, it's an awesome concept. And anyway, it's been on uh, Game Pass and I think PC for a while, and apparently it's coming to PlayStation 5 next week, and they're switching it to a free-to-play model. So now Ooh. on all platforms, so now anyone can kind of pick up and play it, which is awesome. People really like this game. And so I'll be curious to see um, if there are any listeners out there that check it out. You have to let me know how it is. I'm not a multiplayer gamer, so I'm probably not going to fuck with this. But it, from what I understand, it's a really cool game. I mean, the idea that you're... Uh, you know, it's it's a battle royale, but instead of being a shooter of some kind, like all these games it's are, hand to hand shit. It's fucking like it's like samurai shit, and that's really cool to me. Um, but I wanted to note that you're like, okay, well, all these people have purchased this game, and now it's going free to play. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, what it means is that free to play users will 
basically they're they're going to have a cap on how quickly they can unlock new characters. Uh, if they and if and if they purchase a version of the game, a higher tier version of the game, it will unlock these restrictions on how fast that you can unlock new characters. Mm. Um, basically, it's just it's like most free to play games. It's just going to slow your progress down. Um, and then, but what about like the existing people that already purchased this game? What do they get, or what happens with them? Existing Naraka Blade Point owners are going to receive so i pulled this directly i pulled this off of video games chronicle but the way that they describe it is existing naraka blade point owners will receive in-game currency depending on the addition of the game that they purchased which can be used to unlock new heroes more quickly so they're basically giving the the people that purchased the game are getting a leg up on with some kind of currency or something that allows them to sort of basically do what someone who purchases the game now would get in the free-to-play system. So uh, apparently you've never seen this at all, but I don't know if you have any opinions. I, I know that we don't – neither of us really play Battle Royale games. You play Warzone a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I'll touch on um, But uh, I'm curious if you would ever be interested, especially because it's a free-to-play game now, would you be interested in – and to be honest with you, like – I am interested in almost trying it just because it's free to play, but I know that it's not going to stick with me just because I'm just not a multiplayer gamer. But I I just want to know how you feel about this kind of thing. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't really have. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I don't have any idea about this game. But what I will say is that's an interesting way to provide a leg up to those who purchased it. I, I, I wonder how they feel about that. You know what I mean? Because ultimately you could still get all of that stuff if you played it for free. So are they essentially just buying the opportunity to unlock new characters sooner? Like if that's all it is, yeah. how much did they spend on the game? You know, um, I feel like they should get new characters uh, when they come out and then have the non the free to play people have the opportunity to unlock those characters like a month later so instead of giving them an opportunity to get something I feel like they should probably just be handed some free characters like if they release like well, a couple free characters every it, month you know, I think it kind more. of boils down to like, like let's say you bought the game, but you already have all of the existing characters. Yeah. So it's like, like what do you get if now that it's free to play? Well, if they give you this currency, then you can use that towards characters that have yet to be released now that they're in this new model. Yeah. So now you can get new characters with it. Versus, you know, being like, okay, well, how useful is this? I already have all the fucking characters. They should give. You know them, what I mean, they should give them currency. That is one-to-one with the cost of the game. So, like, if they paid sixty, – I'm sure. I'm sure that's probably something like that. I would imagine, or at least like a like a an, like a reasonable discount on the full price of the game, considering how long it's been out. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think, I think it's an interesting way about that. to solve the problem. Right? We'll just see what the what the players have to say about it. I don't know. Hmm. I think it's cool. Yeah. All right, Jake. What's the next? So. 
so the next news point is that Ubisoft has announced the new Assassin's Creed game is called Assassin's Creed Mirage, and it takes place in uh, ancient Baghdad, which, if you don't know, is in Iraq. Um, and it, this new game is supposed to basically be an homage to the first Assassin's Creed game. Go back to the old gameplay style and everything. People are really excited about it. I think it looks pretty good, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, apparently, Ubisoft has announced that they're going to have a new mode, or not a new mode, but like a feature of the game called History of Baghdad. And according to uh, Video Games Chronicle, according to Video Games Chronicle, players will be able to visit. 66 historical sites throughout Baghdad where they'll unlock research-driven articles covering five areas, art, art and science, belief and daily life, court life, economy, and government. Court life. And a quote from Dr. Raphael Wayland, a historian working with Ubisoft Montreal, states, quote, I am proud of... I am proud that we did not shy away from any subject discussing sensitive and misrepresented topics such as the harem, the role of eunuchs, and slavery in a new – sorry, discussing sensitive and misrepresented topics such as the harem, the role of eunuchs, and slavery in a nuanced way. So it sounds like that they are discussing – the hit. they're basically presenting a sort of – educational feature in this game where as a part of playing Assassin's Creed you can learn about the history of Baghdad and they're even they're they're talking about basically from like an actual historical real perspective they have real historians presenting the information in this and they're talking about not just the good shit but the bad shit that also happened Dude, back I, then. Dude, I had no clue what a eunuch was and I had to look it up. Did you know do you know what that is? Seriously? Yeah, dude. Yeah. I had no fucking clue. Is it dude who got castrated? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Why would I know that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's like a, it's like a thing. I mean, it's in a lot <laughs> sure of, it is. It's in a lot of like it's in a lot of historical fiction. Yeah, so I've I, never yeah, I don't heard know. of I mean, Munich before. Interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know, now you know. Papa Fred told you. About yeah. It. But I don't know if, what your opinion is on this. I think this is cool. I, I like the idea of like if it's not ham fisted. I love the idea of. Games that take place in historical settings that are meant to be like like hard historical fiction, alternate timeline stuff or whatever, them giving you real information about the history of that place in a entertaining way within the gameplay. Because I think that it's cool like, – like people should be more worldly. They should know more about the history of these things. Because it allows us all to understand each other a little bit better and not be so quick to judge. And I think that this is a very neat feature. And it's not – I don't think it's required. I think it's all optional. Mm. So if you want to skip all this, if you know everything there is to know about Baghdad or if you just want to fucking kill people and you don't give a shit about the history of the sand people, then that's fine. But like uh, I think that this is a very neat feature and I I hope that more games kind of – put this kind of stuff in it. I don't know how you feel about that. I think that that's good as long as it's not skewed in one way or the other. You know what I mean? It's hard to find every, all history and all stuff has some sort of slant to it, it seems like. Even in like 
America's schools history books, right? Like everything has like some sort of leaning one way or the other, trying to make you feel a certain way over the history of whatever. You know what I mean? Like if it's just like this, this shit fucking happened and this is where it is. Great. Cause I would like to know more about shit that went down. You know what I mean? Or things that happened in cultures like, but like, I don't want someone to try to tell me that it was right. Or somebody tried to tell me something was wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, that's why I'm hoping that the fact that they're using actual historians to do this, mm-hmm. like this guy has a doctorate. I, I don't know anything about him, but I would presume that he's an expert in the field. Yeah. Um, like I think that's that's a a positive or a, a, it's an like it makes me feel optimistic about the program. Um, but you're right. I mean, we really need to see how it comes out and how the indigenous people of the area feel about it. Right. Not that, you know, there isn't – but you're, you are right. I mean how do you know like – How do you know what you're being you never told? Really know like, what's, you, you never really know what's real and what's not. So how, how can you really know? Because it's even possible that like let's say the, the, the pe- people in Iraq are like, oh, this is fucking bullshit. But it's like is it though or is it because your government has brainwashed you into thinking that this is bullshit? So like like they're like you never really know, but I love the, I, I love the but I love the concept of of some some educational body providing some sort of historical fact into a game that allows us to learn something about people that we don't really Dude. get to learn anything about on a regular basis. I've learned a lot about shit playing video games. Really, you know what I mean? Like it's another way of learning and. Yeah, I, I, I'm completely good with this, man. I didn't mean to shoot holes in this thing that it sounds like you're kind of jazzed about. I think it's a good idea. I think that it's it's important, you know, with how little we get off the fucking couch anymore. It's important to keep people fucking dialed in to like other cultures and other people's way of living and stuff. I just don't want to be sold a fucking bag of goods. You know what I mean? That's it. Like, just fucking show me how they live. Like, I've been watching this YouTube series. There's a guy. And this is a little diversion, but it's not. And he goes around and he injects himself into other cultures and different different even locale or natives of certain areas. And, uh, man, I wish you knew the name of the, of the thing. But he recently went to Appalachia um, down in West Virginia, like into all the different hollers and stuff. And he met up with this dude who grew up as a kid um, with his whole family working in the coal mines. And he's running around these fucking ripped apart small ass towns in West Virginia. Everything's boarded up and they've been raided for copper and fucking metal to be sold off. And there's like no businesses. And it's like just this dude's YouTube channel and he's talking to the locals. And he's like, so, you know, and he, and he, this dude is a local that's driving around. And, and he's like, so, you know, the effect of you know, going clean energy. And the guy goes, well, you know, there's a lot of mis- misunderstanding about clean energy because, you know, the fucking electric power plants are powered by what? You know, he's like, unless they're running on yeah. solar panels, which, you know, would is almost impossible to power the whole world in solar panels. You're still fucking using coal. And he's like, we, you know, this area, this country was built on this area and look at it now and you look around and he's got his fucking GoPro and it's just fucking in shambles and people were so poverty stricken and like homes were broken and people got black lung and sick and all this stuff and no one ever tried to help him out and it's just like man like that that's how you fucking get get the tr- a, a real story is you go to the locals and you talk with the locals 
And, you know, these are the people living these. Yeah, but, but, but at the same time, it's like the locals only understand their own heart. Right. And they don't know. They don't know. Uh But they don't know that. You know, clean energy right. is is actually good the for the problem planet. that they say that it, you know, like mm-hmm. so, like it's it's like I said, you never know, like nobody knows, right? So, right, so the host, this shit. the host turned it around on him and was like, "Well, so you're saying like it's probably better just to use more cool than electric?" But he's like, "Isn't burning if we're all running cool stoves in our houses?" Then there's more cool getting burned technically, and he's like, "Well, yeah." He goes, I guess you're right. He's like, you know, and he didn't put up a fight. He's like, yeah, I mean, it's better maybe for the environment, but it's not better for this area because you can see the yeah. effect ahead. But what's the solution? You know, we're not, you know, I don't know. They're not getting any help down there. So what's interesting about that area, what I learned, then we'll go on the next new point. That whole area, they're finding a way to get by. And apparently it's a really big tourist attraction for ATVs and like side-by-sides because they have yeah. really awesome terrain and trails. So they'll put people up and bed and breakfasts are, are just like going like mad down there because people, you know, take their side by sides or their ATVs down there and then they'll just rent it out for a week and just go fucking mud and, and they say it's the best, best place to do it. So they're bringing some of the economy back, but in a really strange way, um, you know, but they're not really able to like, I don't know. I just find this dude's videos really interesting. Like he went and he spent some time with like, um, Amish and Mennonites recently in eastern Pennsylvania and uh, it was really really interesting to watch him kind of get into that culture because um, it's it's a glimpse of life that you don't really usually get so even though I don't get off the couch and people don't get off the couch very often any opportunity that we can have to learn more about different cultures I'm all for it man I just like I said just don't sell me a bill of goods like I'm not I don't want to be I don't want a snake oil salesman popping out of my video games being like, oh, yeah, by the way, this was right. or This is wrong what they did here. This is, you know, this is the right. Because there is history to everything. And there's a reason, you know, um, I don't think anyone in the world would ever say the Salem witch trials were, like, correct looking back at it. But, like, in the time, everybody fucking thought it was the right thing to do. Most people did. You know, they all fucking drank the Kool-Aid. Sure. So, like, perspective can change over time, you know. But uh, it is curious, dude. I'm curious to hear... Uh, and see how they implement this. Now, the, the problem is, is I'm never going to fucking buy Assassin's Creed Mirage, so I'll never personally know because I, this game doesn't interest me at all. But I hope that it's informational. I, I'd like to see this happen in more games. In fact, I think I it would... I can see myself maybe playing this game. I don't know if it's going to be something... I mean, it'd have to really be score and roll. It would have to really be a banger for me to buy it at launch, mm. but... I could see myself maybe definitely playing this on like a sale or something. Yeah, get on a Ubisoft sale or something. And like the last one I really played um, was Unity, and I really liked it up until the very end, and then I just got sick of it yeah. and gave up. But um, I don't know. We can move on. Sounds like Dark Descent. Uh, so, <laughs> so as we kind of brought up earlier, or Big Box, I guess, brought up with his comment about the ABK deal, Activision Blizzard King, for those of you that don't know. King? Um, What's King? Explain King this to me. King is a, a they're, they're a mobile company. They make like Candy Crush and all oh, that shit. Oh shit, I didn't even know they were involved. This is how out of touch I am, dude. I'm yeah. transparent. <laughs> so it's a, it's a single company. Activision, Blizzard, and King are all one company. Oh, okay. And Microsoft, I guess Microsoft is trying... That's why it's 70 fucking billion dollars, is because... 
uh, you know, it's not just a Call of Duty. It's also Candy Crush and all this other shit that's like makes way more money than a lot of Dude, I looked at that acronym. The first thing I thought of was the BTK killer. I don't know why. That's what I'm saying. Go ahead. But anyway, they're they're in uh, FT. They're in court right now for like the FTC is like trying to block the deal and all this stuff. And some of the information that has come out of it is pretty interesting. Basically, these are Microsoft expectations of how of Sony hardware releases in the near future. So this isn't fact. This isn't straight from Sony. This is what Microsoft thinks Sony is going to do in the next year or so. And basically what they've found in the FTC filings is that Microsoft, quote, Microsoft thinks that, quote, PlayStation likewise sells a less expensive digital edition of the PS5 um, for $399.99 and is expected to release a PlayStation 5 Slim later this year at the same reduced price point. So I think what they're saying here is that the current the current digital edition, which is $400, is going to be cheaper and they're going to have a slim version that's going to be $400. Of the, they're gonna have a slim version of the main PS5 that's gonna be four hundred dollars. I think is what he's saying, what Microsoft is saying. And then the second point, the second quote here is that Sony is also quote Sony is also anticipated to release a handheld version of the PlayStation Five later this year for under three hundred bucks. So I think what they're referring to is the Q, the Project Q streaming device. Yeah. And they think that it's going to be under three hundred dollars, which that could be two ninety nine. But mm. um, if they're scouting, I just think is that correct. this is interesting. That's their that's their scouting report of the PlayStation hardware. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know how, how you feel about it. Yeah. Either. So point A, I think you got it kind of right. I the way I interpret it is that they're talking that PlayStation has two SKUs, right? They have the the, the physical disc version, and then they have a less expensive digital edition for three ninety nine. And they're expected to release a PlayStation 5 Slim later this year at that less that that reduced price point of three ninety nine. I don't think it's going below three ninety nine. I think that they're just inferring that the digital edition is less expensive than the physical edition, and they're going to release a PlayStation Five Slim later at that reduced price point at the three ninety nine. And does the PlayStation Five Slim have a spot for a disc? Is the question. And if it does. Then that's where it's at, hmm. right? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, my instinct tells me that they're gonna get rid of the digital edition and they're just gonna have one skew, and it's gonna be four hundred dollars. Yeah, and it's gonna be a slim with a disc. Yeah, maybe a detachable disc driver oh, or yeah, something. Right. Maybe you can get maybe you can get like the slim for three fifty and then the slim with the detachable disc drive for four hundred or, or In something. A box. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see. But how how do you feel about like the, the them saying the Q light is gonna be under three hundred dollars? It makes sense. About, but I, it better be, or otherwise no one's gonna fucking I buy mean, it. I mean you and I could call that, right? Like I mean, they could have sent us out to. In my opinion, this thing better be like two hundred dollars. 
It better not like, be two ninety nine. And I know J one was excited about this one, but also J one, you should know. Uh, you are one of my surviving Marines, and unfortunately, Big Box, you can't sue me because you're already dead in the game. Um, so, <laughs> uh, that's a side. Yeah, Big Box, fuck you, you're dead. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you bit the dirt, dude. You bought the farm, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I'm glad you're still alive, though, and real. So thank you. But yeah, J J one is still in the group. Um but yeah, I don't know. He wanted the, the PlayStation Five. He wants this Q thing and I don't know that I don't want it. I just know that I don't want it for three hundred. And definitely not. I think they would you know, there's a point there's a point, right? That, that depending on the hardware and how much it's costing for them to make this thing. If they could profit $20 on this thing, if they sold it for 150 bucks, they will move so many of these um, that they'll make more money than if they profit $100 and sell them for uh, $200. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, if the price yeah. is right, they're going to they're gonna move a lot of these. But if it's not right, it's just going to fucking sit on shelves. My concern is that this thing's going to be $300 and then they're going to be like, you need this super fucking A-tier mm. spec wireless router for you to be able to get the 1080p 60 hertz or whatever that they were saying you could get with God of War Ragnarok. And it's like, okay, so now you're telling me that I got to buy a $300 handheld and I need a fucking $300 wireless router for this thing to work too? And I got to have the high, like, highest speed internet at my house. They got to pay for monthly... Well, you wouldn't need that for for local that's streaming, true, right? True, but true. but but at the same <laughs> time, it's like how many people have you know one of these super top spec routers, gaming route wireless routers that can really handle the the bandwidth that I would imagine you would need for something like this. I don't know. I'm Not just, a lot of we them. haven't seen any we haven't seen any spec that come out that says oh uh, for you to get these this. This, uh, you know, fucking primo experience of streaming God of War at 1080p 60 hertz, you got to have at least an AC router or something like that. Like, I, I, I don't know. We don't know. So I'm, I'm very anxious. And that's why I want the price to be even cheaper because it's like, okay, well, if I've got to upgrade my router and shit too, like, this thing better be budget friendly. Yeah. So I, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see. But it's interesting. It is interesting, um, and you know, like I said, though we we could have predicted that it's going to be under three hundred bucks, dude. Like we, in fact, we might have. I I'm more curious about the PlayStation Slim if it's going to have a disc drive built in, or if it's just going to have the port, and they're going to sell you a disc drive for hundred bucks yeah. or something. Um, which would be cool if you get a digital version of the PS5 for three hundred dollars. I'd fucking buy another one tomorrow. Just to have like a second one in case mine goes bad really or something machine. like that, um, you know, because mine already is acting kind of. I'll do it weird just for another controller. I mean, yeah. technically, yeah. the controllers Seriously. are eighty bucks, seventy bucks, right? So you're really getting the system yeah. for, you know, if it's three hundred, you're getting it for two hundred and thirty bucks. Sure, you can look at it that bad. way and justify it. You know. <laughs> anyway, m- moving on. Uh, so. Mobilegamer.biz reported this past week that 
Mikhail, it's spelled M-I-C-H-A-I-L. I, I assume it's not pronounced Michael. I'm sure it's probably like Mikhail or something like that. Katkoff. It sounds very Eastern European. Um, he was the managing director of Savage Game Studios, which who was rec- who's the mobile developer recently acquired by Sony. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's leaving the company already. And, and this game studio was only acquired by Sony. It wasn't even acquired a year ago. And so this is kind of interesting that this guy is already leaving because it, it's a little bit sort of sus. But the, the Mikhail or Mr. Katkoff, however you want to pronounce it, he, he posted on his LinkedIn and he said, quote, I'd like to believe I've done my fair part in taking the company from zero to one. Now I'm eager to watch from the side as Najim and Mike take it from one to 100, who I assume are the uh, other two leads of the company or something, or whoever's taking over for him. Um, this is an interesting sort of quote because it really is kind of gray as opposed to like as far as like what is the nature of his leaving the company was he fired was did he decide to leave on his own because you have to imagine like he had some contract that was more than a few months or you know eight months or whatever working at this company so uh it's really weird that he left already and i know sony really wants to get into the mobile space and they really want to make some like top tier mobile games and savage was sort of their way into that and this guy i guess was like kind of part of the puzzle when sony wanted to get into this and now he's gone so i don't know what's going on here and uh I'm interested to see what happens, not because I have any interest really in playing mobile games. There, there are exactly two mobile games that I care about, and that is Hitman Go and Lara Croft Go. Those are the only two fucking mobile games. I, I played on my honeymoon for a little bit. I played Hearthstone. But other than that, the only two that I that are like enjoyable for me are those two hitman and and uh laura croft go those games are fucking a tier mobile games but other than that i'm not a big mobile fan i don't know how you feel about this fred but it's kind of weird that this guy is just sort of gone yeah it's it's strange i almost read it like (laughs) of course me always going to like the worst case scenario that, that this guy thought he was doing a good job and Sony pulls him aside and says, listen, man, you haven't done shit here. Like, you've taken the company to one. Like, you should be moving faster than this. In fact, so-and-so and so-and-so are going to be taking over. And in a spiteful comment, he's like, yeah, well, I took the company to one. These these guys are going to take it to 100, apparently. You know, like, so, like, I wonder if there's some bad blood there. And this is, like, a subtle way of, like, taking a jab at what happened. Um it's really yeah, weird that he would just be like – because like taking a company to one is not something that you would say because that, that number one, that, that shows that they have 99 left to go <laughs> where they're at. I do wonder – I do wonder if there is a little bit of a – I don't want to say language barrier here but like maybe like a if this guy if this guy is not like uh you know a, a native english speaker or something sure. like we have to he, consider he writes this. very he writes very well 
like his English, this Mikhail seems very well written, but like maybe like his metaphor, it isn't quite landing. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's just basically saying like, I did my fair share getting the company started. Now these guys have to sort of get the game going. And it's like, okay, like I, I sort of kind of understand the statement from that perspective a little bit more. But yeah, like what you're saying, it's like he went from zero to one, but these other guys have to do fucking 99% of the work. That's how it reads. Yeah. Well, well, then what did you do? Right. Right. (laughs) Did did you uh, just hire some people? Like, did you just hire some other people for the company? It's very strange. So this whole thing is kind of strange. That's why uh, I kind of put it in here. Well, I understand. I don't know. We'll have to see. I understand Sony's interest in mobile gaming. I mean, if you want to get real, like Genshin Impact started off as a as a as a mobile game. Um, I know that you can play Octopath on mobile. I know that. You know, with the power of these phones and stuff, a lot of these games can be played on mobile. Now, you're not going to play like the fucking Last of Us Part Two or God of War Ragnarok or even Horizon or any of those Sony IP games on a mobile device. It just isn't going to happen unless you're streaming. <laughs> um, but, dude, like there definitely is a market there. And part of me is curious. PlayStation's push for games as a service, how many of their titles are going to be mobile market games? Um, or cross, I've never even considered it till this news article because, like, you're right, like, their push is all all places. And I don't know if they specifically said they, they I know they've said that they've had games as services in development, like, from many studios, but I don't know that they've specifically said that they were all console games. So maybe a majority of them are going to be mobile games, and maybe. They're going to follow in the path of Genshin Impact with a couple of them, you know, these gotcha kind of style games, which I don't know if that qualifies as games as a service, but they might have a gotcha element to them. And if they do, that game has trailblazed that genre. So it's it's a double-edged sword. Like if you do a game like that, you're competing with that game. So – you're not going to win over that crowd, right? Like, so I, I don't know, man. I just – I never considered some of these games as a service games being mobile games. But I suppose that's something we need to think about. So I don't know. And of course a mobile game is going to work on PlayStation. You know what I mean? But like if it's being made to run on mobile, then does that speak to the quality um, that we're going to get on console? For the mm. for those kind of games, so I don't know, man. Just some. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's strange. Um, anyway, so I I don't imagine that a majority of the live service games are going to be mobile, just because they only have one mobile studio. I bet but, you there's one uh, at least, though, one or two. And there hasn't works. there hasn't been there hasn't been much talk of them doing any second party mobile efforts. But anyway, moving on. So uh, apparently Spider-Man 2 is going to be at Comic-Con on July 20th. Uh, Insomniac Games tweeted out that, uh, quote, let's get symbiotic. We're thrilled to announce Marvel's Spider-Man 2 will be at San Diego Comic-Con 2023. Catch our panel symbiotic relationships featuring Insomniacs and actors from the game in Hall H on Thursday, July 20th. So... We don't know what all this means, if it's just a panel where they're going to talk about the game or if they're going to show anything off. I don't know. But I don't know if you remember when the first Spider-Man came out, they they fucking marketed the shit out of it. Like it was 
everywhere. You couldn't fucking avoid it. They showed so much of that game before it came out. Like I'm, I didn't watch like any of it because it was just everywhere. And I wonder if they're going to be doing the same thing leading up to Spider-Man Two. Um, if that's the case, I probably will not be watching anything regarding Spider-Man uh, because I know that I'm going to play it. I know it's going to be good. I don't need to watch all this fucking breakdowns of how the game works and having them ruin story elements for me and characters that are in it and all this kind of stuff. But I'm just curious if you have any interest or opinions on San Diego Comic-Con 2023 having a panel about uh, Spider-Man. Being as it's a comic con thing, and Spider Man's already grossly invested in the comic book world. It's where he got his roots. I wouldn't be surprised if they announce I know we've already had some prelude comics and stuff, but like if there's some sort of one last promotional item that's either handed out or discussed, some sort of cross comic thing that continues the story or maybe even gives you a little more than what we've already gotten. And Comic Con is a really big deal. Uh, it's it was like a phenomenon for a while when the geek verse or the nerd verse or whatever kind of got a lot of lot of attention by news media and stuff. But it's still very well attended, and I think it's a smart move for them to do this here to have a panel. Um, why it's like the perfect marriage of. Uh, you know, video games and comics. I mean, it's Spider-Man, dude. You can't go wrong. I just, I don't know what they would say here that would be exclusive to this panel. Um, they might field some questions. Maybe there'll be a Q&A session. They're probably still going to be very guarded about the story. Uh, you know, we already have a release date for it. So I, I don't know that we're going to get much more information. We might get some more some more gameplay footage or something, you know what I mean? Or maybe like a little story beat or something in a cutscene. But uh, I wouldn't expect much out of this. But I think it's I think it's smart um, for PR. Yeah, I'm sure it's smart for PR. Um, I just will not personally be partaking in any of this content. So, um, but that's cool. I mean, I'm sure that it will have a lot of neat information. I know people like kind of seeing the voice actors and and hearing them talk about the game and everything. So that'll be that'll be very interesting. Um, moving on, the kind of the last couple of news points here will be pretty quick. The I just wanted to make a comment. We did talk about Diablo Four a little bit earlier. Their first season, because uh, they are Diablo Four is, is now like I mentioned, it's it's a full on live service game. It's basically like it's on the like the Destiny trajectory, basically. And their first season comes out July twentieth. Actually, coincidentally, the same date as the Spider Man thing, and it's going to be called Season of the Malignant. And apparently, it's going to. Um, let's see here. I can. Uh, Sorry. So I uh, uh, this is this is off of Push Square. They com they say that in season of the malignant players will investigate a mysterious illness plaguing the people of Sanctuary with the aid of Cormond, a former priest of the Cathedral of Light. Cormond versed in all kinds of unsanctioned practices will teach you how to harvest malignant hearts and convert them to build altering powers. So it seems like uh, these malignant hearts are sort of 
like special types of sockets or socket like socketable items that you can use with your gear that'll give you some sort of like interesting uh interesting new abilities mm-hmm. in the end game this this is a post campaign uh content so you have to beat the game i think before you have access to this so whether or not I'll get to it before the season is over, I don't know. I still have to beat the game. I'm on act like fucking three of eight or some shit like that, even though I've been playing the game forever. So, uh, yeah, this is interesting. I, I'll be curious to see how the first season goes because the seasonal model, I mean, if you're going to abide by this, you really got to deliver every single season. And I'm curious if they'll be able to keep it up because it takes them forever to make fucking Diablo games. So will they be able to keep up with the seasonal content as often as people are going to want it in this new live service strategy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I know, Fred, you are not playing Diablo 4, but uh, it's uh, – so this doesn't really affect you. But how do you feel just in general about more games that we love adopting these sort of seasonal strategies with this like live service stuff and, uh. and everything? It, I'm regrettably not playing Diablo 4. Um, I, I would like to. My concern is kind of this. It, it's like... I can't play Destiny because I didn't get in from the ground up. And it's like, if I truly want to enjoy Diablo 4, do I fucking have to get in now? Or is it forever hold my peace? Like... How are they going to manage I don't this? know uh, if they do sunset like the main campaign and story arc and all that it won't probably be for years. So if you jumped in relatively soon, I'm sure you would be fine. It would be really bizarre for them to just like eliminate the main story of the game, but Destiny did it, but of course it's been like 8 years since that game came out so it's not like it's you know fresh but yeah i get you this could easily turn into one of those situations where like the story develops over all these seasons and now suddenly it's completely different than what it was when i started out and now they don't have the og campaign and all this stuff well i don't know if they can do that with the diablo model but i guess we'll have to find out well it's just scary because like even the division was hard for me to keep up with if i didn't get the expansions right you gotta get these expansions you pay for them and then it's like you gotta i item tracking inventory what are the new drops what are the new weapons that you can try to go grind to get what are this and then what is the best thing and then you get in a group with other fucking players who can spend six thousand hours grinding and they're so much better than you are and they've got all this shit and then you just feel completely like you can't run shit with people because you know you're just not good enough and then it just becomes this big fucking like race to the like who can have the best shit at all times and like if there's story with all of these seasons and cutscenes and shit that like you can it's like the same problem that i have with apple and you'll hear me out. It's just like I've talked about upgrading the Mac OS, right? And you just kind of have to upgrade to the most recent. So if you skip a couple, you got to upgrade to the most recent. And then they roll out, oh, well, this changed, this changed, this changed, this changed. Some of the changes that they're changing, 
are changes to the previous version that you never had. And it's just like, if you can't, if I, if I personally can't draw and connect all the dots to figure out what the fuck I'm playing and what's been updated and what they got rid of and at what parts of the story are still relevant or like, you know, it is, and then, and then the issue that they have with Destiny is they rolled out some of the story content just online. And it's just like, you got to fucking be following the online shit too. Like, what, you know, some of these, uh, they had those, I don't even know what they called them. Uh, those cards or whatever, where you just fucking learned more about the world and shit and about the wars that have happened. And it's just like, dude, there's just so much. And I, like you said, I don't know if Diablo's going to do this. And I don't know what other games are going to adopt, adopt this season of this. Like, Warzone has this shit. And it's just like, Warzone uh, season five, blah, 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 six. And maybe it's just, just too complicated for my peon brain. But like, dude, like, you get into some of these fucking games and with with these expansions, the UI and the menus playing these games, you're like, do I have bat do I fucking have battle pass or don't I have battle pass? And then they're like, Oh, you can unlock this and this and this with battle pass, and you press a fucking button and you're like, Did I just fucking buy battle pass? I don't know what I just fucking did. Because then the screen changes and it's like there's this unlock bar and it's like did I just fucking make a payment? Did and it's just like you don't even fucking know what's going on. It's like I just want to play a goddamn game. Like I understand the excitement, but I approach this with extreme caution. And like the thing is, is like I feel as me as a gamer, a forty-two-year-old gamer who has very limited time. When they start rolling out seasons, that's when I start pulling away even a little more, or I go all in. It's one or the other. Either I'm fucking all in and I'm on this ride with you guys or I've got my fill with the base game and I'm not fucking doing this shit. Like I'm just going to let it go. Or I just don't even get into it because by the time I, I'm ready to play Diablo 4, they're going to be on like fucking season four or something. And it's going to be called like Plague of the Dastard, you know, and it's going to be like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? Like what, what what's going on here? Like are these season titles just meant to attract you? Is it just going to be like, what does it mean? That's the thing. Like, I don't know what this means. I get confused with the season things. And it means something different depending on the game. All they're doing is they're just they're just stringing you along, right? They want you to stay engaged. They want you to buy more. They want you to play more. Is there more and content? That's all that it is. Yeah. Like what? Yeah, though? during like when, what? when there's a new season, it's like Drops? oh, there's there's Maps? there's new missions, there's new there's new there's right. uh, new and that's items, the trouble, there's new whatever. You start right? running these fucking missions, and then you know they roll out a new one, and then before you know it, you're a first time buyer Diablo four, and you're on season six now because you can't play season two or three or four or five. And they're referencing fucking missions from season three. And you're just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I don't like it, man. So you got to get in from the foundation to really appreciate and enjoy it. And I'm sure it's going to be cool as shit. But, dude, I don't think this this play style for me. I'm 42, dude, and I've got so much shit going on, so many irons and so many fires. I can't dedicate that kind of time. And I know the company wants me there with them because they're excited about it. And they've got something they want to share and, and a story to tell. And, like... You know, they want to have you playing their game and get their playtime up on their servers so they can fucking brag about it on the internet. And, like, dude, it's just 
just give me just give me a game. Give me a game. Games of service can work. I just don't think that it's me, dude. I don't think I'm the audience for this. I don't know. But I am the audience for Diablo. Like, I, I didn't buy it yet because I'm thinking Final Fantasy next. You know what I mean? Like, Diablo's on my list. Like, I want to fucking... I like the demo. I thought it was cool. I don't know. It is... I'm fucking done. All right. Whatever you want to say. Yeah. it's. I do understand, um, and I feel your pain on the seasonal stuff, but uh, I think that there is still, with games like Diablo and Destiny... The gameplay loop is so good that there is still a reason to get in. Just don't – you just have to get in knowing that you're not going to see everything and do everything. Like if you're one of those people that has to see and do everything, it's never going to work for you. Dude, as long as but I like understand – if you want to just get in – Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to understand. Like I want to know why I'm going to go try to fight this guy, right? Like in Destiny, they don't give you the backstory. You're just supposed to fucking know it. Like, if they were like, oh, in season three, uh, there was a mission where you had to do this, this, and this, and now this guy's returned in season six, he's been raised from the fucking dead, and now you're on a mission to take him out. This is your new mission. Then I'm like, all right, I'm fucking all in. Just let me know why. That's all I want to know. Like, why am I doing these things? Like, don't just be like, oh, so-and-so is back from the dead, and I have to kill him. It's like, yeah, but who is he? Like, why was he even a threat to begin with? Like, I'm a story guy, man. Like, I, I want those beats. And they should, you know, every time yeah. they, uh, they 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 close the curtain on a season, they should do like a write up on all the things that happened, right? And just make it public. Like, okay, so this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. If you play through the season, this is where the story's at now. Yeah, I'm not sure how we have yet to see how they're going to maintain the like what is gonna be canon and i mean it's all canon i guess but what is going to be important to the overall story and what's not going to be Dude. within the seasonal stuff um i'm just do so i scared. have to really play it i don't know because of destiny yeah, i guess Dude. we'll just have to, we'll have to see like lj destiny's problem is that destiny's problem is that they change the way the game plays so much since the beginning that it's really hard to know like what all the currencies are and what all this shit is when you first jump in and there is no like there is story, but when you jump in, you're like fucking eight years late to the story because they because they vaulted all of the original story content for the game. If you could play all the original story content and then continue playing all the new stuff, you'd be fine. But you can't play the old stuff. Right. That's the problem that Diablo has to avoid. You can't just vault the old shit. You have to leave it there forever. It's it'd be like you literally dude it'd be like in real life like if they put me in a cryo chamber and they fucking woke me up in 2092 and they were like okay go to work and I'd be like what oh yeah you you got to jump on the blah 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 and teleport over to here and then like in real life they're like oh yeah you got to use this device you know it's an implant we gave you um just use it and get to the such and such and then you know you got to you got to touch base with the ai synth that's running the fucking thing and i'd be like what the fuck like how did this end up like this and that's how you feel when you play fucking destiny for the first time you're just like okay i'm in this fucking world everything is fucking different and awesome but what is my purpose here? Like, how do I even integrate into this? Like, there's a lot of, like, integration issues for new players, dude. I don't know. It fucking has me nervous. I love, dude, I love, if I were to, I don't even play fucking Diablo. 
If I had to pick between Diablo and Destiny, not even playing Diablo 4, just because of the aesthetic of Diablo, the dungeon shit, I'm all fucking in. Give me Diablo over Destiny, even though Destiny is amazing. And I... Just because of the uh, the aesthetic and the, the the grim dark, the fucking like, you know, fucking demons and fucking all that spooky ass medieval shit with swords and like, dude, I, I'm in. On that alone, yeah, I just I wish I they they talk about how like oh well maybe they they vault all that old stuff because they don't want the game size to be even bigger than it already is. What's well, like then? What you should do is you should have like a download a, they should have a download option for like okay here's a unsupported version of the game that you can download and all it has is that old shit in it and if you want to play it go ahead but it's not supported it's not patched it's not whatever it's just available it could be called like fucking destiny 2 og or something like that and it has everything up through fucking beyond light or something and listen and it's like yeah that would be fine and before the listeners write in and say just youtube it there, there's a video of the story of Destiny, and it's like 14 hours long or some shit. And it's the most perplexing thing to try to stomach and watch. Like, yeah, like you can't just YouTube the shit. And I could YouTube gameplay, but if I'm going to do that, then why the fuck am I even playing the game? Right? If I'm just going to fucking watch someone else play the game and go through the story, then what's that? What's in it for me? Like, I want to do it. That's why I like to play video games. Like, I want to be the guy that does it. You know, I don't know. Dude, YouTube is fine for some things, but you shouldn't have to rely on it to know the fucking story of a fucking game. Like, it's ridiculous. I just hope that, yeah, dude, I hope that Activision learns from, that is the weakest point of Destiny, is no one knows what the fuck's going on. Like, I'm sure people do, man, but like casual gamers do not know. They don't have a fucking clue. There's no way. There's just, it's impossible to know. As a casual gamer, what the fuck is going on in Destiny? Impossible to understand it. It's pretty wild. All right. Anyways, dude, this next news point, you want me to talk about this since I put it on here? No. You want to just bring it up? Yeah. So so they're, the blog, PlayStation blog, they put out um, so like a gameplay kind of combat trailer for details about Hell Divers 2 and how the co-op and the gameplay and the combat works and uh looks fucking dope. I I don't know if it's a game for me just because I'm not a co-op guy, but I it looks awesome. It looks really fun to play. I'm not going to lie. It's third person, it's not top down, which you know we kind of knew based on the showcase, but uh people were suspecting, oh, well maybe that was just a trailer. Maybe it is actually top down, but like this fucking shows you playing third person in, Dude. in it, which is it looks awesome. Dude, there is something way cool about this, and I will be in in from the ground up on Helldivers Two, and I hope it's awesome. And uh, I'll say this: like I have, I still have my reservations about the change in perspective. I still hold to my previous statements about this on whatever episode it was. But I got to say this, seeing those stratagems get called in from outer space in first person or third, whatever third person is fucking dope. Those big fucking things that you throw the, you throw the fucking grenade and it and it's like a beacon for your, your drop ship to shoot down fucking gear for you or like turrets. Seeing those fucking drop in up close in third person is gnarly and cool as shit. 
it's like the fucking sand comes up and it feels like the ground fucking shakes and this thing kind of breaks yeah. down and it's got this fucking turret like shooting the enemies and stuff. And then they, they said that like a big part of it too is, you know, friendly fire is definitely still on for this game. Um, and you can mow your own teammates down pretty quickly on accident. So uh, they've retained that, which I am excited about. And I just don't know how many, how body points and stuff work. I mean, in the original game, Dude, it was like two shots and you were dead. Like you just almost it's instant death almost if you take any damage. So I don't yeah. know in a third person environment, man, it's going to be way easier to have friendly fire fucking people up. Um, I think than it would be on a top down. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe people just have to get good. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm excited for it. It looks cool <laughs> as shit, dude. All right. Well, before we go on to the closing section of the game, I just want to spit out uh, a show topic for our next show, Jake. I want to have a show topic, and I want the listeners yeah. to give us some feedback here. I've had in real life this happen multiple times where someone will come up to me and say, hey, man, I'm getting a PS5. What game should I get? Singular. What game should I get? Um, I want to know what the listeners would, re- would, would, would recommend. And... Um, you can't know what kind of a gamer the person is, right? And you can't hide behind that. Be like, well, it depends. If they like this, then you get them this. If they like that, you get them this. And then you get you get to pick one fucking game. It's an adult. It's not like a child. What game do you recommend someone coming back into gaming who's buying a PS5 to try first? That'll be our show topic next week. You guys let me know what you would pick and why, and we'll, we'll talk about it all next week. Um, so that's my uh, that's my assignment for you all. Um, new games coming to the PlayStation Network. Um, and we do this every episode, and this is a little bit longer of an episode. I'm surprised this one's a little longer. We've had a lot of discussion. Started off kind of slow, talking about golf and shit, but we've been through the thick of it now we're closing out here new games coming july 11th rain world downpour on ps5 ps4 the valiant on ps5 ps4 july 12th mordhow mordhow on ps5 ps4 oxen free 2 lost signals on ps5 ps4 sea horizon on ps5 july 13th atelier marie remake the alchemist of salberg on ps5 ps4 ed Hyphen Zero, Zombie Uprising, PS5. Gravity Circuit on PS5, PS4. Naraka Blade Point, we talked about this in the show today. PS5, Operation Wolf Returns. Man, first mission VR. I don't think this is going to be... I don't think this is going to be a fucking remake. It's probably going to be... An, dude, fucking operational, Operation Wolf. Do you remember this game? I think I've talked about this. Like dude, it was an arcade game. And it was a arcade game where, like, you had a reticule. It was first person, but you just had a reticule. And you didn't have an actual gun, like a light gun. It was a reticule, and you just fucking shoot at the bad guys. And it was like a stagnant screen, and bad guys would just kind of pop up, and you get missiles coming at you. You'd have to shoot them with the reticule. But, like, every time it it would sequence until you put your quarter in, it would show you the beginning, little intro, and then it'd go back to the title. And then the voice would be distorted. It'd go, Operation Wolf. <laughs> And it was so fucking cool. Dude, this was an arcade gem for me. First Mission VR, there's no way it's going to be like high def or anything. But I might. Dude, I got to get me some Operation Wolf in. Fuck. That's awesome. Um, July 14th, Exo Primal, PS5, and PS4. Those are the games. 
Jake, do you have anything about any of these that you're stoked on? I'm curious how that Exo Primal game is going to play. Um, and obviously, we talked about Naraka Blade Point earlier. Uh, I have a passing interest in that. But the Exo Primal game is that one where you're like fucking just fighting hordes of dinosaurs. So I'm kind of interested in how, how that lands. But other than that, I, yeah. there isn't really um, a whole lot here that's like killing me oh with the my. joy. God, I'm looking at Operation Wolf Returns on YouTube, and you're going to get some volume issues. Hold on one Rated second. Rated T for teen. I wish I knew if I could play the volume on here. So they show the trailer. It's a little to come down. Oh, my God. They're showing the game. Yes. Hold on. And then are we going to get 2023 VR? Oh, dude. Yes. It says nothing has changed. <laughs> first mission vr dude it's a shooting game and uh it's on rails and it's exactly yeah, it's like it's like one of those like area 51 type games or whatever from the arcade but it looks like you're gonna be able to play it in vr that's cool it looks like they they like cell shaded it or something to kind of bring the graphics into this era but uh it wasn't 3d like this i think they're saying nothing changed meaning like like you were a badass in 83 and it's like nothing changed. You, it's like a wave shooter, dude. You go through all these different fucking waves. It, yeah. Dude. I'm definitely... If the tra- if it comes back that the tracking's good on this game... Oh, fuck, dude. This is cool as shit. I'm definitely going to play it. If, if for anything, for the nostalgia's sake. Um, weapon feedback and sounds were so cool. Oh, they did have a weapon. Sorry, they did have a weapon on the original game. I'm sorry. I remember playing on NES, too. Um, they had it on Nintendo or Genesis or something where it was just a controller, but they did have a little Uzi or something you could play play with, and, the, and there was mm-hmm. feedback. You'd shoot it, and it'd vibrate. It was cool as shit, dude, in the arcade. Ah, enough. Listeners don't give a shit about Operation Wolf. I do. All right, dude. So that's it. Do you have anything closing, Jake, that you want to say before we before we crack out of here? Nope. That's it? That's it. All right. Just a reminder, listeners, what is the game? What is the game you would you would give somebody or you would tell somebody you would give, tell them to get? What is the game? doesn't have to be exclusive to Sony, but it has to run on a PS5. What is the first game you would recommend somebody play? That's your task. All right. So thanks for tuning in again to play PS. This is awesome. PlayStation Podcast, episode 284. We do this every week, every Monday. If you are a patron of the show, you sometimes will get the show early. Uh, Not always. We don't make that promise, but your dollar a month goes a long ways for us. It helps us, and uh, it kind of gives us that that vigor that we need to keep on the rails. Um, But outside of that, thanks for tuning in. Um, If you guys don't have any money to spare, we get it. Uh, we're adults also, and we have lots of bills. So um, I know exactly where you guys are at too. So there's no hard feelings, no love lost. It's appreciated, but never expected. So we're going to sign out here. We'll see you next Monday. I hope you guys enjoyed the show today, and uh, we'll be back next week with 185 or 285 Gs. Um, so like Scribblenauts, Sekiro, and Sea of Stars. P.S. Yes. This is awesome. This is awesome.